Our Father in heaven has always had a special interest in widows. You can look at passages from Old Testament to New and see that certainly that is the case. When we go back to the book of Deuteronomy, we see that even in that period of time under the law of Moses, there was the admonition to care for the widows, to plead for the widows. When we come to the Psalms, in Psalm 68, for example, we have in that Psalm at verses 4 and 5 the admonition to sing to God praises to His name. Extol Him who rides on the clouds by His name Yah and rejoice before Him. And then verse 5, A father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in His holy habitation. Indeed, in passage after passage, the Scriptures remind us of how God has a special interest in widows. And many times, in conjunction with those widows, orphans are mentioned as well. Another Old Testament passage is Isaiah chapter 1, where God was displeased with His people because of their forgetfulness of Him and their forgetfulness of those in whom He had that special interest. In verses 16 and 17 of chapter 1 of Isaiah, God gives them a prescription as to how they may return to Him and be pleasing to Him once again. And he says through the prophet Isaiah, Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. Again, there the fatherless and the widow mentioned in conjunction with one another. Time and time again, yes, going all the way back to the law of Moses, back to that law and beyond, really, we know that God, who is consistent in His nature, has always been concerned for the widow. When you look at James chapter 1 and verse 27, we have there a passage in which pure religion is defined. The only place in Scripture where pure religion is defined for us. Pure religion before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. To visit the fatherless and the widows in their trouble, as the New King James says. And visit does not mean to go see them, though certainly that's appropriate at times. But visit in the New Testament means to meet the need to make sure that their needs are met with the full realization that at times widows are in need of that help. Not only encouragement, but sometimes even monetarily. As we continue our study of 1 Timothy tonight, we see a section in this great epistle of Paul to the young preacher Timothy that addresses this particular matter. Verse 2, or verse 3, 
of 1 Timothy 5. Honor widows who are really widows. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents. For this is good and acceptable before God. Now she who is really a widow and left alone trusts in God and continues in supplications and prayers day, night and day. But she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. And these things command that they may be blameless. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And then Paul addresses the matter of a certain group of widows. Do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. And not unless she has been the wife of one man, well reported for good works, if she has brought up children, if she has lodged strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every good work, but refuse the younger widows, for when they have begun to grow wanton against Christ, they desire to marry, having condemnation because they have cast off their first faith. And besides, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but also gossips and busybodies, saying things which they ought not. Therefore, I desire that the younger widows marry, bear children, manage the house, give no opportunity to the adversary to speak reproachfully, for some have already turned aside after Satan. And then he concludes this segment of the epistle concerning widows with these words. If any believing man or woman has widows, let them relieve them, and do not let the church be burdened, that it may relieve those who are really widows. Oh yes, the Bible has a great deal to say from Old Testament to New on the subject of widows and the special interest that God has always demonstrated in those who are robbed. Yes, that's right, those who are robbed. Because the word widow here that is used by Paul is a word that is closely akin to the idea of being robbed. And so the idea is here are women who have been robbed of their husbands. They are robbed of their mate. And when he says honor them, and especially honor those who are really widows, or as some translations render it, widows indeed. And who are the widows indeed? Well, if you drop down to verse 5, you get a better picture of that. Now, really, she who is really a widow and left alone. Those are the widows indeed, or those who are really widows. That is, those who are truly destitute from the standpoint that not only have they lost their lifelong companion, but they have no other family members to care for them and to provide for them. And he says, honor these widows. Give them respect, yes. Give them compassion, yes. Give them the kind of consideration and concern that was voiced even tonight by Brother Freeman Cooper in our prayer together as he remembered our widows. And we should. And we should remember them and honor them and be aware of their needs. You know, not long ago here at White Oak, there was an excellent session as I heard. It was for women, so I was not included, but it was specifically uh, a class and a get-together for our widows to encourage them 
and to let them know, and it was given by the younger women of the congregation, to let them know of the church's concern for them, compassion toward them. And that is a beautiful thing to do, obviously. Honor them. But honor also carries the idea not just of of, uh, true respect and appreciation for their situation, but it also relates to physical support, monetary support, physical help that is at times needed, and we should be very much aware of that, especially when it comes to those who are widows indeed or truly widows left alone. In verse 4, we see a situation where Paul says, but if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn. Those children and grandchildren, they have a responsibility, Paul says, to take care of their family members. Let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents. Yes, to repay them. To repay them a debt that is clearly owed to them. Because when parents bring up children, sacrifice year after year for their children in various ways, then the very least their children can do is to requite them or to repay them by making sure that they are taken care of in their later years. And when Paul says, for this is good and acceptable before God, That means it's not only good and acceptable, that's an understatement really. It means that's what God expects. That's what really God demands if we are going to do the right thing by our parents as their children in their later years. But what about those, again, back to verse 5, who do not have those family members? They're left alone. And really loneliness is associated with, with the whole concept of widowhood. And I don't think that I would have to remind any of our widows here that loneliness is associated with the concept of widowhood. You know very well that loneliness, very deep loneliness, is associated with widowhood. But what about that widow who is left alone, not only robbed of her husband, but has no one else in terms of close family members? Paul says she trusts in God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. She is one who is who is truly dependent upon God. And she is a godly woman who is praying to God night and day with supplications, specific petitions and prayers, a more general term here, praying that God will provide help. And how does God provide that help? He provides that help through His people. That's the way we should respond to those whom we know to be truly left alone. But there's a contrast that Paul draws between the widow who is really a widow in verse 5 and the woman he now discusses in verse 6. He doesn't really even call her a widow, perhaps not to evoke compassion for her, as the word widow generally evokes compassion. He says, but she who lives in pleasure or indulgence is dead while she lives. The woman who lives for the world, the woman who lives in pleasure, indulgence, and the obvious indulgence, the obvious pleasure has to connote sinful pleasure 
Otherwise, there would be no point in Paul saying, she's dead while she lives. The indulgence that he talks about in contrasting this particular woman with the godly widow who is destitute and left alone, this is a woman who is living in sinful indulgence. He does not specify what that sin is, whether it's fornication, whatever, uh, whether it's a sexual sin, whatever it is, but nonetheless, she is living in indulgence, in sin. Otherwise, he would not, never say she's dead while she lives. But when he says she's dead while she lives, he means what? She is separated from God. She is dead spiritually, even though her body is still alive. And so the contrast is a very stark contrast between that godly widow, who's the widow indeed, who is destitute, who trusts in God and prays to God for her help. The contrast between her and this woman living in pleasure is a stark contrast indeed. And so verse 7 then he says, And these things command that they may be blameless. It's uncertain, and commentators differ as to who the they has reference to. Is the they the children and grandchildren who are to... Uh, take responsibility, well, certainly you would think they would be included here, that if indeed they are to provide for the ones in verse 4 who have been mentioned and they fail to do it, then they are not going to be blameless. That's abundantly clear. But what about the one who is left alone in verse 5 who doesn't have those family members? Who are the they who are responsible for taking care of her? Well, that would include all of us, wouldn't it? That would include the congregation. That would include the church. And so... The they may include all family members of widows and also the congregation responsible for helping those widows who do not have family members to help them. But he says these things command. This is important. This is an important matter. These things command. Otherwise, if we fail to carry out that responsibility, to fulfill that responsibility, we are to be blamed. And we cannot be blameless. And verse 8 drives it home very strongly. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and the context here is clearly widows. Now certainly one could say that uh, a family member has responsibility for family members. A father has a responsibility to provide for his family. And certainly this passage uh, has been used to show that. But the immediate context here has to be obviously the widows. Here, if anyone does not provide for his own, that is for those who are widows who are related to him, maybe his extended family, but it would be included here. And then he says, and especially for those of his household, that would be brothers, sisters, siblings, those who of his immediate household. If he does not make that provision, anyone who does not has denied the faith. Has denied what? The faith. He's not a faithful child of God. That's how serious this matter is and is worse than an unbeliever. Why would Paul say he's worse than an unbeliever in this situation if he neglects members of his own family who are in physical need? He's worse than an unbeliever because the implication is that there were unbelievers, there were pagans out here in the world in Paul's time who would take care of their family members. And so you contrast a pagan who would take care of his family members with a Christian who won't, And you can understand why Paul would say that's worse than an unbeliever because even unbelievers will take care of their own many times. But then he turns to a specific matter in verse 9 
And he says, do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number. What is the number? The number seems to be a group of widows who are really widows. That is, they are destitute otherwise. And they are enrolled, as it were. In fact, when he says, do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number, the word that is used there is the word from which we get our word catalog. Don't let those be cataloged in that number who are under 60 years old, who's been sexually faithful, the wife of one man, and that's generally the idea of that. She's been a, a faithful wife to her husband, well reported for good works. If she has brought up children, if she has lodged strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every good work. And so it seems that there was a group of widows in the Lord's church that were taken into a special group because they had special needs. And they were older women, women who were obviously godly women, women who were to be enrolled, as it were, permanently for the rest of their lives in this group of women who would be cared for by the church for as long as they lived. They would never have to worry or be concerned about their physical welfare because they would be taken into this number that would be the responsibility of the church to provide for them. What a beautiful concept. What a wonderful concept that is. What a wonderful answer to prayer that is for the one who is really a widow back in verse 5 who does what? Trusts in God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. The church will take care of her. The church must take care of her. But there are some responsibilities that she must meet as well to be worthy of that support and to be enrolled in this special number. And oh, what a description it is. It's a description that should be characteristic of every child of God, really, shouldn't it? Well, not necessarily to be 60 years old, obviously. But to be what? Sexually faithful, faithful to our spouses, uh, well reported for good works. In the case of bringing up children, that is specific, obviously. And generally, it would be thought that a woman who was 60 had born children and had reared children, though not necessarily every woman would have. Has lodged strangers. In other words, she's hospitable. She's known for reaching out to individuals, Christian missionaries who would come through, and she would be willing to lodge them. And when he says, if she has washed the saints' feet, that's simply a synecdoche, just a figure of speech where washing the saints' feet is put for any act of benevolence and compassion. Because washing the feet of individuals as they traveled in New Testament times was something that was a practical thing to do. They wore sandals. They came into your home. Generally, if servants were there, the servants would, would wash their feet. And you remember in John chapter 13 where the Lord, on that occasion, washed the feet of the disciples. Did he set a precedent for foot washing as a church ordinance? Well, some have thought so and have instituted that, but that's not the point at all. Foot washing was never intended to be a church ordinance. What the Lord was doing was showing what? Humble service. 
that we are to render to one another. And when this passage says she has washed the saints' feet, it simply means she's been a humble servant of God who has always been willing to humble herself and to act benevolently and hospitably toward others. If she has relieved the afflicted in various ways, obviously, if she has diligently followed every good work. What a beautiful description of godly women who are these widows indeed. But here's the contrast again. A contrast uh, not quite as stark as the one back in verse 6 who's living in pleasure and dead while she lives, but he does say refuse the younger widows. And who are the younger widows, or how are they to be refused? Not to be withdrawn from. He's not saying every younger widow is in sin, although there can be a tendency for them to grow wanton against Christ and desire to marry and to go into sin and rebellion against God. But when he says refuse them, he means don't put them in this special number. Don't add them to the catalog, so to speak. Don't put them in this special group of widows because they don't meet the qualifications. And there is a possibility that they're going to grow wanton against Christ. They're going to desire to marry, having condemnation because they've cast off their first faith if they turn aside from following God. If they even become involved with those who may not be Christians, who may lead them astray, there's a much greater likelihood, in other words, Paul is saying, of these younger women not becoming the kind of women who are to be enrolled in this special group, 60 years old and older, who meet the other qualifications. And then he says, and besides, they learn to be idle. And that idea of learning carries the idea of pretty much becoming an expert an expert in idleness. They become experts in idleness, wandering about from house to house. They have the energy. They're younger women. They can go from house to house. And many times when they go from house to house, they're not only idle, but they're also gossips and busybodies, saying things which they ought not. And so he says these younger women, to, to avoid this kind of temptation, you need to marry, verse 14. I desire that the younger widows marry, bear children, manage the house, give no opportunity to the adversary to speak reproachfully. And why would Paul say that this is a possibility for some of these younger women? Because verse 15 says, for some have already done that. Some, have all, some of these younger women have already become guilty of the very thing I'm concerned about. They have already turned aside after Satan. And you go back up to verse 14, though, and you see that he desires that the younger women, widows marry, bear children. And when he says manage the house, some, some uh, translations translate that rule the house. Is that a bad translation to say rule the house? No, because there is a sense in which the women rule the house. I like the idea of manage the house from the standpoint of being household managers because there are responsibilities in the home that only the woman can do and do beautifully and do so well. And that's what Paul has in mind here. Not that she be the head of the house. Obviously, that would be contrary to everything else Paul and other writers had penned uh, in other places. But 
to be the manager of the house from the standpoint of her domestic responsibilities. There are certain things that no one can do like a woman can do and do so well. And give no opportunity to the adversary to speak reproachfully. Again, for some have already turned aside after Satan. And finally, in the final verse at which we look tonight, in verse 16, he says, If any believing man or woman has widows, let them relieve them. In other words, let them give aid to them. If you're a Christian, he says, man or woman, and there are widows that are in your family, then you have a responsibility to help them. You have the responsibility. Do not approach the church to help a widow for whom you have responsibility and can take care of. Simply don't do that. Do not let the church be burdened. Why, Paul? Because there's the responsibility he's already spoken about that the family members have toward their own family members. And if you reject that responsibility, you've denied the faith, and you're worse than an infidel. So fulfill that responsibility so also the church does not have to be burdened so that it has the wherewithal, the money, if you will, the help physically to be able to do what? Relieve those who are really widows. And that gets back to that verse 5. She is really a widow, is left alone, the one who's left alone, and is trusting in God, praying to God day and night for help. And that prayer should be answered. It should be answered by the church in relieving those who are really widows. As we bring our lesson to a close tonight, it may be that there are those in this audience who have not obeyed the gospel of Christ. You have an opportunity, if you have not, to become a part of the body of believers that takes care of its own, as this text that we've studied tonight reminds us. A body of believers that cares for one another, reaches out to one another, and make sure that the prayers of the destitute are answered by the faithful. What a family you have an opportunity to become a part of tonight. And you do that by expressing your belief in Jesus as the Christ, repenting of your sins, confessing him to be the Christ, and being buried with him in baptism for the remission of sins. If you need to come home to your first love as a wayward child of God in repentance and confession of sin that is public and needs to be confessed in that way, we plead with you to come as we stand and as we sing to encourage you. Will you come?